you grab your seats. I am not going to take too long this morning. I know we've got two services, so, but I really believe that um, this has actually been something that God has put on my heart for today. It's been something that in my quiet time lately, this one particular scripture has been coming to mind over and over and over. So I want to share that with you this morning, but we're going to pray quickly first. Father, we thank you for the, Lord, the privilege of being in your house. I guess, Lord, over the years, we've actually taken for granted the fact that we can just come into your house freely. So today I want to say thank you that we are able to come. And we just pray that, Lord, your presence will just continue to be with us this morning. We thank you that your presence is already with us. And we just pray that as I speak this morning, God, that you will touch hearts, that you will touch minds, Lord, that lives will be changed this morning as, as I speak, Lord. And I just ask that you have your way in this service, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to tell you a bit of a story this morning. Is that okay? Because I'm a bit of a storyteller. I do love to tell a good story. And I feel like if I don't tell a good story in a sermon, then, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. So anyway, I'm going to tell you this fable this morning. So you may have heard it before, you may not. And it's about a little boy and his grandson and a donkey. Has anyone heard this before? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, so there's a little boy, a man, an older man and his grandson and, sorry, and a donkey. And they're walking into a town. And so the little boy is sitting up on top of the donkey. The grandson is walking beside it. And as they walk into town, they overhear a group of people go, oh, I can't believe that poor old man has to walk and this young boy is sitting on the donkey. And so the old man and the young boy listened to their critics and they swapped. So the old man sat on the donkey and the little boy walked along next to the donkey. And they continued to walk into town. And again, they heard another group of people go, wow, it's so bad that that poor little boy has to walk while that old man's sitting on the donkey. And so, again, the people listened to the critics and they, the two men listened to the critics and they, they got off the donkey and they thought, well, let's just walk with the donkey. So the two of them just, great, you know, casually just kept walking into town and they're walking along beside the donkey and they overhear another group of people who go, how ridiculous, there's a perfectly good donkey there. And they're not even using that. That's ridiculous. So they listen to their critics and are like, all right, well, why don't we both get on the donkey? So they both got on top of the donkey and they continued to walk into town towards their destination. And of course, you know what happened next, right? They heard somebody else say, wow, that is so cruel. I cannot believe two people are sitting on that poor donkey. By this time, they're feeling really frustrated, not really sure what to do, feeling a bit tired. And they're like, you know what? Let's just get off the donkey. The little boy grabbed the front feet. The granddad grabbed the back feet. And they decided that they would carry the donkey into town. And as they were carrying the donkey across the bridge, their feet slipped and the donkey fell into the water and drowned. And a really, really sad story. But the moral of the story is this. If you listen to every single critic, you're actually never going to reach your goal. I have a tendency, I, I have to admit, at times to be a bit of a people pleaser. Anyone else think they're a bit of a people pleaser? I like people to like me. I'll be honest. I like people to like people. I like people to need me and need me to do things for them. And that's okay as long as I get what I need to get done. Does anyone else find they're so busy pleasing other people that you've got all this stuff at home that you need to do and you're like, I can never get it done? Or even worse, I actually forget... I forgo my ultimate goal, which is to please God, because I'm so busy trying to please other people. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Maybe the mums here, maybe the dads too. 
Would you consider yourself to be a people pleaser? Well, before you answer that question, I'm going to ask you a few questions and see if you recognise any of these signs in your life. Number one, do I want everybody to like me? Do I want people to need me? Do I over-apologise? I tend to do that a lot. Do I crave validation? In other words, do I need people to go, hey, you did a really good job with that? Do I let people take advantage of me? Do I feel guilty or mean when I set boundaries? Am I afraid of conflict? Do I think self-care is optional? I can see a few mums over there nodding. Do I feel tense, anxious or on edge? Do I expect myself to be perfect and hold myself to a higher standard than maybe other people? Do I put myself last and don't know how to ask for what I need? Am I sensitive to criticism? Ouch. Do I think my feelings need and opinions aren't as... Sorry, I'll say that again. Do I think my feelings, needs and opinions aren't as important as other people's? Am I a fixer? In other words, do I hate to see other people hurt, afraid, sad or uncomfortable? And do I resent always being asked to do more and wish people would consider my feelings or needs? Anyone resonate with any of that this morning? So if you said yes to some of those, most of those, or all of those, chances are you are a people pleaser. But one thing I learned very early on in my career, and I worked in aged care for a very long time, is that you cannot please all people all the time. One thing I've learned as a pastor is that I cannot please all people all the time. There's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to pleasing people, and human beings, including myself, can actually be pretty fickle. So if our ultimate aim in life is to be pleasing others, we're just going to get tired, frustrated, worn out. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this morning, hey, let's just forget about pleasing people, because it actually is really important for us to love people and do things for people, and the Word of God continually tells us that we need to do that. But I don't think that should ever be our ultimate goal. Even the Apostle Paul struggled with this, and in Galatians 1 verse 10, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God, or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4, he says, on the contrary, We speak as though those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. The thing is, most of us spend much of our lives trying to please others. And Paul is challenging us here that we actually need to take the road less traveled. In other words, our main goal in life should actually be pleasing God. King David sought to please God, and this is a scripture I was talking about at the beginning that's been coming to my mind lately in the mornings, particularly in Psalm 19, verse 14, and you probably have heard this before. It says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So this morning my message is people pleaser or God pleaser. Imagine if every morning we woke up and we said, Lord, may the words of my mouth today, may the things that I think of, the things from my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you. Rather than getting up in the morning and going, well, I've got to do this for this person, I've got to do this for this person, this for this person. What if our ultimate goal in life, which it actually should be, is to please God? Andrew mentioned earlier this morning that um, he bought a present for me the other day and I had no idea. And sometimes I know I can be one of those people and Andrew's trying to figure out right now what to buy me for Christmas. But do you know somebody that's one of those hard-to-please, hard-to-buy-for kind of people? 
Maybe someone next to you can point them out if you want, I don't mind. You know, it can be really hard to buy for other people, it can be hard to please people, but I love that we actually don't have to guess what pleases God because the scripture tells us over and over the ways to please God. So this morning, if you've got a notebook or a pen, why don't you jot down, I've got 10 ways that we can please God. There's actually heaps more than 10, but here's 10 this morning and you can maybe look for some more. So number one, having faith pleases God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So having faith is actually a prerequisite of pleasing God. So what do I mean by having faith? Firstly, when I, when I talk about having faith, I mean believing in him, in actually who he is. And John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we need to believe who he is, and we need to believe what he says he will do, he will do. And the Bible is full of God's promises for our lives. And it says without this kind of faith in believing that God will do what he says he will do, well, it's actually impossible to, believe, to please him. Faith in Jesus brings us salvation. It brings us healing. It brings us baptism in the Holy Spirit. It brings answered prayer, the ability to live a holy life. It brings the Holy Ghost power and so many more things. And as we read the word of God, we actually increase our faith. I read a, um, something from Rick Warren this week, and I love reading Rick Warren. It says, if you know your Bible well, you're going to have great faith. If you know your Bible a little, you're going to have a little faith. And if you don't know your Bible at all, you're not going to have any faith. So can I challenge you this morning? Read your Bible. What does your Bible say about your situation that you're in right now? Maybe life this year hasn't been exactly what you planned. I know it hasn't been exactly what I planned, I'll be honest. But I think that as we read our Bible, we can see what God has in store for us. You think about King David for a moment. King David, um, he went through so many things and he lost so many people and he did some terrible things. But Psalm 27 verse 13, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When we believe in God and believe what he says, our faith pleases him. So number one. We've got to have faith. Number two, being spiritually minded pleases God. Romans 8, 6 to 8 says, and I don't even think I've got time. Yes, I do. I've got to keep moving. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the world, realm of flesh cannot please God. So the Bible talks about two mindsets. You've got the, the normal, human, fleshly, carnal mind, and you've got the one led by the Spirit of God. So as we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and leading us, we please him. So what I mean by this, having the Holy Spirit leading us, is he's shaping our minds, he's shaping our attitudes, and he's shaping our thoughts. So how can we be spirit-led? Maybe you've never heard that term before. How can we be spirit-led? Well, I feel like this is a bit of a theme of my message this morning, but number one, you need to fill your mind with the Spirit's word. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed. So as we read, the Holy Spirit actually communicates to us as we read our Bible. It's not just a book. It's actually God-breathed. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit's help. We can't set our mind on the things of the Spirit all by ourselves. We actually need the Holy Spirit. And we have to practice being in the presence of the, whole, of 
the Holy Spirit every single day. In everything that we do, we have the Holy Spirit in us and guiding us. So that's number two. Number three, the fear of the Lord pleases God. Psalm 147 verse 11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. So when I'm talking about the fear of the Lord here, I'm not actually talking about like being scared of God. When I was a kid, when I, I thought fear of the Lord meant being scared of God. And we kind of had this whole sheep thing happening last week in communion, this week in communion. And I was thinking about the fear of the Lord. And you think about God. He's referred to as our shepherd, right? And when the sheep see their master, although after this morning's story, I'm like, I don't know if this goes against what I was actually going to say. But when the sheep see their master, they actually don't run away from him because they know that the shepherd's going to take good care of him. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, I'm talking about a deep respect and a reverence and an awe for God's power and authority that actually makes us not be fearful of him, but actually love him more. And scripture tells us as the fear of the Lord brings us protection. I was reading this in Psalms this morning. It brings us blessing and it's the beginning of wisdom and it also pleases God. Okay, so that's number three. Number four, and I've got to get through these points quickly. Number four, following Jesus' example pleases God. Matthew 17 verse 5 says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So God was truly pleased with his son Jesus. And Jesus actually said in John 8, 29, Those who sent, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. So again, if we want to be pleasing to God, then we need to follow Jesus' example. How do we do that? We read scripture. There's a bit of a theme going here, right? We need to read the words of God. Read the red letters. Get into your Bible. If you've got a Bible with the red letters, begin reading. What did Jesus do? Because as we begin to be more like Jesus, we're going to please God even more. Number five, doing God's will pleases him. Hebrews 13, 21 says, He will equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So if we want to learn how to please God, we need to seek God's help to always do his will. We need to seek out what he desires. We need to seek out his commands. We need to seek out his plans. And how do we do that? We read the word of God. Jesus Christ actually set the ultimate example of doing God's will when he was facing death and crucifixion. And in Luke 22, 42, he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was willing to give himself totally to show his love in order to do the Father's will. So if we want to please God, we need to seek out ways in which we can do what he wills for us. Number six, giving pleases God. Hebrews 13, 15 to 16 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. So God is well pleased when we give to others whether it's our time, whether it's our finances, whether it's gifts. I love right now that as a church we are, um, you know, we've just had Operation Christmas Child and we had like hundreds and hundreds of boxes from our church here that have been given to children in other countries that are not going to get anything this Christmas. And even right now we have the opportunity in our local community to give money so that people in our community who perhaps don't have the ability to sit down for a Christmas dinner will be able to do that this year. It pleases God when we give to others. 
the two greatest commandments are, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the second is you shall love your neighbour as you, yourself. And 2 Corinthians 9 says God loves a cheerful giver. So God loves it when we give to others. Number seven, living with integrity pleases God. Yeah. Proverbs 11.20 says God can't stand deceivers, but oh, how he relishes integrity. I don't think God is actually super pleased with our charisma or our personality or our gifts or all of those kind of things. He actually looks at the heart. So dictionary.com's definition of integrity is adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral, moral character and honesty. But I kind of think it's like, you know what's right to do and choose that. So where does God look for integrity? In our heart, by testing our heart. And this takes me back to, to David. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Can I challenge you this morning? Are you living a life of integrity? Are you doing what's right? It's not easy to do. What do we do when no, no one else is looking? I just want to challenge us on that this morning. It is a challenge. And God is so pleased when we live an integrous life. Number, what number are we up to? Number eight, prayer pleases God. Proverbs 15 verse 8 says, The Lord detests the sacrifices of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. Prayer pleases God. Do you, how's your prayer life right now? Do you spend time with God? I think I was thinking about it this week, and I know there's people that go, oh, I struggle to spend time with God, but sometimes spending time with God can just be during our day-to-day, whatever we're doing. Can we just take in a couple of moments in the middle of, God, of the day to spend time with God? Our prayers don't have to be like full of giant words that nobody understands. They don't have to be perfect. It just comes down to having a relationship with God and talking to him about the good things in your day and the bad things in the day. And the thing that I love is that, and this thing, this just overwhelms me and it's always overwhelmed me, is God is actually more excited about us spending time with him than we are. Like he just loves when we come into his presence and spend time with him. And he, he desires it and it pleases him. Might grab Georgia up if that's okay. Thanks, lovely Georgia. Number nine, praise pleases God. Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This is a really weird scripture. Then it goes, this will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with horns and hooves. Do you say hooves or hooves? Hooves. Wrath or wrath? Who knows? (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. I had to go there. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. God loves it when we praise him. He absolutely loves it when we praise him. I got in the car this morning and I've been listening to um, the new Hillsong album, actually. And there's one part of the album where it's literally just um, just some worship. And they just, I think it's Brooke or someone like that, is just worshipping and she's just saying, look, if you don't know what else to say, just, just speak Jesus. And I must have listened. I feel teary thinking about it. I must have listened to that 20 times this morning. Then I got into my car and I turned it on and I turned it up really loud. Then I put my cruise control on because I know that when I start praising God, I tend to speed. And I didn't want Jamie pulling me up, so I put my cruise control on. But you know, God loves it when we praise him. He loves it when we get into his presence and we worship him and we praise him. And he doesn't care if you have an angelic voice like Lisa Thomas or Shanae. Or if you have a voice that sounds like, I don't know, whatever. 
He just loves it when we come into his presence and praise him. And if you have nothing else to say, all you need to say is Jesus. All you need to sing is Jesus. He loves it. And number 10, and this is not last, this is not last but not least. This is last but most important. Being his child pleases him. John 3 verse 3 says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This is the greatest news this morning, and this is what I want to encourage you all with this morning. Because once we've been born again, we are pleasing to God. Once we have made a decision to become his child, we are pleasing to God. We don't have to strive like perhaps we do with other people to go, oh, I just want them to be happy with me. I just want that person to be happy with me. I'll do all I can. And we just get disappointed because people still aren't happy with it. But once we make a decision to follow Jesus, he is pleased with us. And here's the thing. You might look at that list that I've given you this morning going, well, I've got to strive because you've given me 10 things and you said there's way more. There's so many ways in which we need to please God. But what I've discovered is that because of the great gift that he lavishes on us, that actually wanting to please God is just something that we naturally do. Think about marriage for a moment. Like a man and a woman get married, they, they make a commitment to each other because they love each other. They're as in love as two people can be, yet they still continue to seek ways in which to please each other. He might bring her flowers or make her a coffee in bed in the morning, which Andrew does for me quite often, because he delights in pleasing her. She might give him a shoulder rub, Xander Baker, or wear his favourite perfume because she loves him and delights in pleasing him. Likewise, when we enter a relationship with Jesus, it's actually not a chore to please him because we delight in pleasing him and it's just a natural thing to do. He loves us. He's pleased with us. So in return, we want to please him even more. He loves me. So I want to believe what he says. (laughs) He loves me, so I want to follow his example. He loves me, so I want to do his will. He loves me, so I want to live with integrity. He loves me, so I want to be generous to others. He loves me, so I want to sing to him. He loves me, so I want to talk to him and I want to spend time with him. I don't know everybody here this morning. I know a lot of the faces, I don't know everybody here. And I don't know what your relationship with Jesus looks like. Maybe you've heard of Jesus. Maybe you've known Jesus before and have walked away. But this morning, I just want to let you know that he loves you. And that he actually sent his son to die on the cross in order that we can have a free life and eternal life. So this morning, I want to give people the opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. And I was just wondering if everyone can just close their eyes just for a moment. If you don't know Jesus this morning, and, but you'd like to have a relationship with, you, can I, with him, can I tell you, it is the best thing you will ever, ever do. I'd just love you to raise your hand just to, to let me know for a moment. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but... You know, maybe this morning there's somebody here that goes, I'd actually like to have a relationship with Jesus. And we're going to pray a prayer together. So why don't you repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. 
And today I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died and rose again for me. And I turn from my sin and invite you into my life. Today, Jesus, I trust you and I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time or perhaps um, you wanted to put up your hand and you didn't. Well, I just want to congratulate you this morning if you made a decision to follow Jesus. As I said, it's the best decision you will ever make. And I would love it if you'd come and chat to me after because I would love to encourage you on your journey with Jesus. But I thought if we can just stand for one moment and we're going to finish in in a moment. I just really felt to encourage people this morning that God is pleased with you. God sees what you do, even when other people don't necessarily see what you do. God sees what you do and he is pleased with you. And I don't know about you, but I need God's help to be even more pleasing to him because sometimes, you know, my human nature gets in the way of of other things. So I'm going to pray this morning, um, but I just wanted to let you know that God loves you and is pleased with you. So let's pray together. Father, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, God. In all that we do this week, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will be with us, God, that you will guide us, Lord. The things that we say, God, may you be pleased with. The things that we say, Lord, may they light up a room, Jesus, because they're shining you, Father. I just pray that as we go this week, God, that you would just help us to be more like you. And Lord, for those that are struggling right now to feel like they can't please others, Father, I just thank you that you are pleased with them. I just pray, Lord Jesus, this morning that people will just understand that because they are your child, you are already pleased with them, Father. And I just pray that as we leave this place today, we will leave differently, knowing that we are your child, God, that you have your favor on us, God, that you smile down on us, Jesus. And we thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.